Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to Go Mow Tonight, the Monadnock Region's only locally focused weekly comedy podcast. I'm your host here in the Space Lounge, Chris DiLoretto, here with my co-hosts. Zoe Roten-Heinsmith. And Sam Abbott. And we are coming at you recording on the 18th of August, 2022. The summer has changed. It is getting darker outside. Uh, It's getting chillier at night. I've got a window open over here and there's cool air coming through. I'm still wearing a summer shirt because I'm not really ready to let go. But, um, you know... Here we are. We've been off for a couple of weeks because we uh, were both prepping for and putting on the night market. Um, we didn't want you to listen to an episode last week. We wanted you to come out on Friday night, and many, many of you did, um, to the night market, to our Space Lounge Live on the what I like to call the library patio, but which I was informed very strenuously is called the River Terrace. Um it is, it is a nicer name. I agree. It's, it's, now I've it's started art. calling it the porch, though, just to be... I like the porch. You know, I mean, I don't know. I like I like those names. I don't know. I feel like we can call it multiple things. But um, in any case, so, we, you know, this episode will be coming out next week. We had hoped, and this is a good lesson. This is a good lesson um, that ties back to something that I mentioned at the end of every single one of these programs, which is to say... We had hoped last week to release um, selected audio from the night market, and, and we will eventually release that to you. Um, but one of the reasons that I didn't have time to get that out is, and there's, there's very little excuse, right? Because I recorded the audio separately. I, we recorded the video on my phone, which did die, but it didn't die until Hovercraft started. So we got the whole Space Lounge program up until that point. Really kind of a bummer we didn't get the, um, the Hovercraft set, but then I was like, oh, it's okay, though. I had the, I had the recorder. See, I still got it right here. I, I had our special recorder there. We haven't used it in a couple of years and recorded the whole thing. The, that battery lasted, lasted all the way you know, until the end of the Hovercraft set. And that was going to be the basis for what we released as a couple of, of little fun little podcast episodes recorded live. And again, like I said, we still will, but they won't right. be an 8.4N Pro quality. And the reason for that is when I plugged in the thing and I extracted the, the, two, the file, it was a, you know, like a four hours, like a two gigabit file, um, it was silent and I kept clicking through and I'm seeing no lines on the, on the screen in the program and I'm hearing no sounds. And I was just like, what the fuck? And one of the, it, it's, it, this is hundred percent on me. I screwed it up. The, like I said, we haven't used the recorder in a couple of years and it was set to record to our two handheld external mics. Um, and not which weren't plugged in they weren't there it was set to record to microphones that didn't exist and not the very pretty um high capacity microphones that just rest on top of it um which is how it was intended to be recorded so my bad lost forever uh at least the hovercraft set is um the rest of the audio we are going to rip from the video files um which will just take me another couple of days so we'll probably put that out in another week or two we'll give it to you for labor day or something as a special little special treat but really you know 
it's it's kind of i mean watch the video because our oh, like, dramatic yeah. skits all had like costumes and fabulous set design that you would not <laughs> you would not get to appreciate if you were just listening a hundred percent and you know the especially the hallmark skit um in particular is is i re- i highly recommend that you watch that um visually but the moral of the story here though is this kind of thing wouldn't happen if I had entrusted the recording of this event to a professional, say someone at studio 117.net, you know, our sound Lord Chad, who came up on stage, you should watch the video to see him too, though, because then you can really judge him. Um, but um, <laughs> in terms of his audio abilities, though, he would not have recorded a two, a two gigabyte blank file. Um, there's, there's no way. Um, and this is why you get a sound guy. Now we had, now to be sure we had, um, we had great sound people provided by the night market. It was upstream. Um, as, as most, most locals know upstream, they do the sound for, for all major events and they do a phenomenal job. They were extremely helpful for us, but it wasn't their responsibility to like record for us or to set up our recorder. So that's, that's uh, totally outside of their area. Um, they did a phenomenal job with, with what was their responsibility, but you know, and this Chad's is why on he, a date, you know, Oh no, we wouldn't have. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I know. I know. I wouldn't have wanted to interrupt his date either, but this is just a lesson for anybody though. If sometimes if you think you can do it yourself in a sound related, think about going with studio 117.net instead, because that's what I'm thinking now. Um, now that we had that experience, but in general, the night market was phenomenal though. Right. I mean, we had a pretty good time. It was really fun. Although I, I feel like I prevented Sam from going to see the rest of the night market. Was it you? I don't know if it was you. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you don't feel like it was me. No, I don't. Yeah, we were gonna, we, we, that was the thing. We were kind of in our place and, and, um, by the time we got off the stage, you know, the, the market was in its, in its closing hour basically. And, um, I couldn't bring myself to, I couldn't tear myself away from this new band right. that formed just for our, our event thing. And that's really why I didn't, I heard that, um, uh, the food was out by the time yeah, we were I was going to say, I heard my there. food choices would have been limited and, um, and ho- hover, I just wanted to watch the band too. That's yeah, but I heard that the vendors were amazing. I heard that there were. I heard that it was um, a really good time. Um, I heard, uh, you know, our, our our good friend and um, our our first cover artist for our Monadnock Underground's first two print editions, Hannah Ellingwood, was there um, with a lot of cool stuff in her tent. And you know, my kids were running around, um, you know, buying stuff, you know, doing, you know, causing problems and things like that. They had other bands over there. Um, really was it was the magical summer event that I think that we have been promising for, um, for several weeks. I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we overhyped the thing. And, you know, one thing we know just from our own inclinations, our own experience, but I'm happy to say, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but like, I also know, um, from talking to Roy, our, our guest in our previous episode and, um, the fearless leader of the Max T maker space, although by no means the only person who makes the night market go on, but this is just the beginning of this tradition, you know, like this is, this is the third time 
like this thing is just getting started, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so anything that, you know, there's always these things when, 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 and I know this, I, I know, I know Roy thinks like this. I know that we always think like this whenever we do an event ourselves, you know, afterwards, there's always all these little things that you can think of that like, oh, you know, we could have done this or we could have done this or, oh, you know, if we had more of this or, you know, whatever. Um, but every year, you know, those things are going to be responded to and um, addressed. And I think that the the way that this thing continues building on itself actually goes beyond those responses. Um, I, because I think that it will continue to have, um, brand new ideas and, and ways of thinking associated with it as well. Um, there are, I, I really am happy to say, because I, I think that in, this is a little bit of a side rant and I apologize, but I, I think that perhaps if we went back two years to the summer of 2020, I might've felt differently. I might've started to waver in my faith about this in the region, but I I'm happy to say from where I'm sitting in 2022, I have a lot of faith that there, there is a, a strong and growing group of people, uh, in this town, in this region, of course, but in Peterborough that are really looking to innovate, looking to, um, engender these new traditions, looking to do things that Peterborough has never done before. And, and in a way that is truly creatively expressive and incorporative of many different types of art. Um, these are, you know, I'm talking about people who have a little bit of hustle, um, who have imagination, who, and who are really passionate for, turning nascent ideas into manifested reality, which is, you know, something that is very near and dear to my own heart. Um, it's not just us. There's a lot of people out there. Roy's one of them. The people at Max Team Makerspace, they're some of them. Um, and, and you will see more. So yeah. from people like us. Here, here. Watch out. Um, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it was cool. Check out the videos on, on Facebook. There is a, there's actually a playlist, um, that contains them all. So you can see them all in one place. The same thing will, by the time this episode comes out, the same thing will be true of YouTube as well. So it'll be really easy for you to check out, um, all of the scene there. Um, which yeah, really cool. Um, would love to hear any feedback that people in the audience have about, um, the space lounge live and, you know, about any thoughts that people have about future events of that nature that we might want to do, because we would really like to do it again. We don't want to wait until next year's night market. Um, and you know, we want to potentially think about something for the late fall or, um, or early winter, um, that can, that can happen indoors and, and be an event, you know, just kind of based around the lounge show. So if anybody has any, uh, any thoughts or ideas or would be interested in participating in or helping to facilitate something like that, we're here for you. You know how to contact us. The, the info is, is readily available at all. But if they don't, what, what's a good email address? If they don't, you can always try DLoretto at manadnuckunderground.com. If that's too difficult, you can do um, Zoe at manadnuckunderground.com. Sam yeah, at manadnuckunderground.com. Can't misspell Sam's name. You can misspell can't my misspell name. That. What's, what's our other email address? Like 
Um, gomenadnock at gmail.com. at gmail.com. We take, we take comments there as well. We do. I apologize. Some people do contact us there and we do a pretty good job of checking that one, but not an awesome job. So we're a little bit slower um, on that. Um, in fact, I'm just looking at it right now because I haven't been in there. Oh, we, we lost a subscriber. Um, well, until we meet again, Gail. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, so yeah, reach out to us though. We, we, we would love to hear from you. And, um, like I said, not to be too threatening, but if you, either way, you'll be hearing from us. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, one of the consequences though, oh, actually, no, this is a really a consequence of being gone for so long because these aren't stories that have stacked up really. Like most of what we're going to talk about this episode has, has more or less come to light in the last week or so. Um, but we yeah. have, we have a number of, um, significant, um, events that you want to hear about that we're going to talk about first. And then we're going to talk about a couple of pretty big goings on, um, some, some fresh discussions, fresh discussions in the Peterborough Facebook group that are kind of worth mentioning after I will say a period of, of at least a month or so in which the group was maybe a little too quiet. I think I mentioned this on the last episode. In fact, it was like the, I know that what most people want from a group like this is like recommendations on a plumber. Um, but the group has never been predominantly that, but for the last month, that's basically what it was. It was like lost dogs and, um, you know, help me find someone to do something on my house. Um, which is a little too boring. (laughs) boring, but, but, you know, there, there have been times in the past where I have responded to such boredom by like, you know, stirring things up. And I, I did decline to do so in this case, I haven't had it. I haven't had it in me. I don't know if I'm a, I don't know if I'm a changed man or if I'm just not in the mood, but, um, I guess we'll perhaps find out over time, but (laughs) in any case, Zoe, tell us about the big, what? Before we get into that, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to tell everybody about? Oh, I thought you were going to, um, I was hoping that you could tell everyone about today's big announcement, okay. today's big launch. Yes. Well, this, if you, if you did attend the night market, then you got a little, a little pre pre taste of this, but today it was our least know. clean segment. Sorry, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Broke a lot of promises of that segment. Um, today we announced the official cover, title, and pre-order price of um, an Adnock Underground's latest publication, Anywhere But Here, a 1980s road story by William Mullen. Um, and that is, he did a reading of it at the night market, but we didn't have the cover there. So the, the cover is like the, the big cover was, it was, it was like a, it was going to be down to the line as to whether we had that cover available. And unfortunately, um, and it was, it was, it was not due to even in any way due to the artist. It was us, um, that, that, that she, she wait, I made her wait a little too long on some instructions. Um, so we did not have the final copy at the night market. Um, but we, but we have it now. We have it now. It's a beautiful it's, cover, beautiful cover. Um, yeah, we went, went back to our, our favorite cover artist who's done, uh, most of our, well, all of our books, since yeah, Anna, 
since our since our magazines, except for Sarah's book. Correct, which which she designed herself, uh, of course, and that was a little bit different because it was a workbook. But yeah, all of our trade paperbacks have the same cover artist, and they have um, a very similar look and feel, um, which I'm I'm fairly proud of. I think our our artist Katarina does just an absolutely phenomenal job of bringing the vision that we described that I described her in the vaguest possible terms into a concrete reality that usually exceeds what it was that I envisioned yeah. in the first place. Um, you know, but she we, nailed like the, the eighties Brown road story vibe of nailed this, it. of this book, which nailed I have it. to admit, I have not read this book. I am not doing the editing of this book. That's Chris true. Doing See, there's the only so much you can book. say. There's only so much you can say. I have heard yes. pieces of it at our monthly uh, writers open mic night because Bill does often come there and read. Um, and he's read some sections of this book unedited though. So who knows if they're still in the book or how they'll, how they'll be changed. I really don't know. Right. And frankly, that's even true of what he read the other night. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, some of that will be changed, but, um, he doesn't know that yet, but, um, we're in the, we're in the process of, of working on that, but no, but for real. So this is a, it's, it's a, um, archetypal framework within which a a truly unique and i think to date untold story gets spun and you know that's to say that we have been you know i mean since before on the road you know we've been talking about like getting in the car and going west and 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 going across america and you know seeking you know your freedom or your fortune or seeking something right seeking some promise of the american dream that, that may yet lie in the, whether true or not, untamed West, right? Um, the, the paradise of California, again, whether true or not, right? Um, and so again, timeless tale, right? Which, I, which to me, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of archetypes, so I don't think that that makes it bad. But the reason, I think if that was all there was to it, I don't, I don't know that we would have necessarily been super interested in publishing this book. But like what makes this book interesting is that, who went west in the 1980s? You know, it's it's the same as asking, and and of course, some of us know several people to answer this question, but it's the same as saying like who who followed the Grateful Dead in the 1980s? You know, it's like you're you're doing a thing that like you and everyone else is well aware is like a half dead thing. It's like a thing well past its prime. You know, you're doing a thing later than the era in which that thing was like born and matured and, and why, right? So this is the story of two like 18 year old dudes, Bill and Jack, and they're in Connecticut. And, you know, the, the, I mean, this part is, is I think pretty typical, right? That, that you've got the ennui of, of the, of the recent graduate, essentially, you know, they don't want to stay in their hometown. There's nothing for them there. You know, come on, man, let's blow this joint. You know, one of them, their dad, Jack, Jack's dad lives in Oregon and has um, some concrete work for them to do. And so they're like, all right, let's make a road trip out of it. And the funny thing is, is that Jack and Bill, um, they're not even like best friends before this trip. They're, they're friends. They know each other, you know, but they're not that tight. So they, they're thrust into this. Like if you've ever moved in with a significant other too soon, um, which I have done many times, um, you, um, that's kind of what this is like in that, in that buddy comedy way, you know? And so they set off across the land and 
one of the themes that comes up again and again, and this is not a spoiler, this is a, this is a major motif of the book, and, and it's, it's part of the reason for the title, um, is that every place they go, whether it's a campground, whether it's um, you know, uh, uh, the house of someone that they know or someone in some cases who even invited them there, whatever, um, you know, whether it comes down from the authorities or from, in some cases, friends and family, they, there's no welcome for these guys anywhere, you know? And it's set against the backdrop of this, of just this crumbling American dream of the 1980s of, of Ronald Reagan. And, you know, he, he addresses this kind of again and again, and, you know, you've got these hippie kids who, by the way, have a trunk full of marijuana and some of which they stole from a field in the Midwest. Um, you know, so a lot, I mean, it's cool. Like it's not all dour, like along the way they have these funny adventures where they, like I said, they stumble across a weed field, you know, there, there's, there's miraculous happenings, um, in the book. Um, sometimes their asses are saved seemingly by, I guess it's up to the reader to decide whether they could have been supernatural forces or not. Um, but they can't find, there's no quarter offered to these two fine gentlemen, like no matter where they go. And, you know, it's the story of what they find and what they don't find. And, um, you know, like I said, a, a road tale set in that backdrop in that decade, I don't believe has been told. And I think that um, the fact that it is being told by, you know, a self-described hippie decades too late, you know, is all is is all the more appropriate to tell the story. You know, it should be told by that mm. that outsider looking in. And that and that's what this novel is. It's it's very, very good. I can't wait to share it with the world. Um, this has been a, a a labor, you know, Bill has been working on it for at least two years. He calls it two years. I think he's been working on it a little bit longer than that. Um, I think maybe we've been working on it all together yeah. for two years at this point. Um, well, I, I wanted to point out that we have, we have published on Monadnock underground, a piece of it, the, the Indian in the Toyota and the mystery trucker. When, when you're talking about the, the, that's one of those, that's one of those times. If you want a little tales. taste, we can put that in the, um, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just looked it up. We published that online in February, 2021. So. Yeah. So we've been, been working with him at least that long. Yeah. Um, so really cool. So pre-sale is on. We can, we can put the link to that in the show notes. The book's going to run for 25 bucks, but we've got the pre-sale going on probably until the beginning of October. We haven't nailed down the date yet, but probably the beginning of October, we'll put this out. And until then you can get 20% off and at the, the very cute price of 1989. Um, which is the year that the book is set in. Um, so, um, so go ahead and check that out. We, we just really like, we did a soft launch at the night market, but we, um, officially launched the presale today and the sales, I mean, there have been, um, sales extending into the evening. I'm actually very excited to say, um, so jump on this. This is going to be, this is a good book. You, you want, you want this on your shelf. This is, um, it's, it's a, it is a truly one of a kind story. Um, that you will not find anywhere else. And it's very well written and it's, it's written from the heart. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm really, it's, it's an honor to edit it and, and to publish it. Um, so I, I am very much looking forward to, um, more to come there. We'll, we'll have Bill on the program. Yeah. In fact, uh, we've had a sale since we started recording. Um, nice. so lots of people are jumping on this book. I think they feel the excitement and I, I hope that you do as well. Um, 
So, so more to come there. So that's, that's our first big announcement. Second big announcement. We've got some politics in Peterborough coming up. And I, I was, you know, after our foray into the, the um, town meeting this past spring, I, to be honest, was not really expecting to dive into um, this fall's general, you know, this, this fall's election season at all. Um, but we, uh, this is by request. Um, people have come to us and that's flattering. And, um, I like that. And if, if people are looking for more from us, uh, in this area, we are here to provide. And that's why we said yes, right away. And we jumped on it. So we have in the democratic primary, which I think is September, 13th, I believe, um, Tuesday, the 13th is a, uh, the primary for Peterborough's representative to the New Hampshire state house. Now, for those of you from out of town who don't, who maybe don't know this, New Hampshire's legislature is one of the largest in the world. Um, and it's because of the New Hampshire house of representatives somewhat bizarrely. Sometimes I like this. Sometimes I think it's crazy. But there's like 400 or so representatives. It's some crazy number. A town like Peterborough, um, which only has 6,000 residents, has two representatives um, just for Peterborough. Now, I think that's great. It, it is. Peterborough deserves representatives. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. Um, coming from Massachusetts, it's odd, but it's, um, it's kind of cool. And so those two seats are, are up for grabs. They're currently occupied by Democrats, Peter Leishman and Ivy Van, who many of you I'm sure have heard of before. They are joined in this primary by young challenger, Jonah Wheeler, um, who is, um, he, he's an activist. He works for rights and democracy. Um, and he is, um, he's joining the fray. And I, I've talked to Jonah a couple of times and uh, we're going to, at some point, have him on this program. He, um, I think he brings a lot of um, very unique energy and, and vigor to the table. Um, so three-way race, um, a little competition. I'm told uh, the Democratic Party themselves wants no part of a, of a, of a debate hosting themselves um, because, you know, they don't really want to get involved with a, with a challenger um, coming in against them. I guess they kind of can't, you know, that's sort of what they do, you know, they're supposed to protect incumbents, but, uh, we're going to do it instead. So we're going to have Peterborough parlay part two. Um, I wish that I could convey to you a date on this program today. We think it is going to be September 1st at 6 30 PM in the 1833 room in the Peterborough town library. If it's not, it in, but have your eraser ready. That's right. Pencil it in, have your eraser. By the time this episode comes out, we probably will know. Um, so we can, we can put that in the show notes too. I think it's going to be either September 1st or August 31st. Um, but we'll get the three candidates together just like we did for the, uh, the budget committee and the planning board in, um, was it May? Yeah. In May or April, April, whenever the it was spring. in the spring. spring, in the spring. Um, so we'll do, we'll do another, a really fun, uh, debate and forum like we did there. And yeah. You know, um, so that's coming. You'll see more from us on that. We will broadcast it live, but please come out. These things are really fun. We packed the room last time. We're going to do it again. There's going to be opportunity for people from the audience to ask questions from the floor. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a great time. And 
but again, if you don't, if you don't feel like it or whatever, it'll be broadcast. We'll, we'll live stream it, um, instead. And what's, what's our excuse for being so Peterborough centric this time, just because we were asked. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. What's, what's I, the yeah. Situation there? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's in some ways it's like the coverage that we wish we could do, you know, uh, it, it's just, it was fairly easy for me to get in contact with the parties needed for this Peterborough thing. And it would be harder, but if anybody ever wants us to come in and do this and you can coordinate between parties and you can, you know, put it in front of us and say, Hey, it's these candidates. We could do it at this place and all that stuff. We will do it, you know? Um, but we, we just, we just can't run every single one of these down. Unfortunately. Um, I, you know, but maybe one day, yeah. We'll have, we'll have, you know, designated correspondence, um, that, that, that will kind of take care of that for us. But in any case, Peterborough, um, on the Republican side, we have two, um, primary candidates for the two spots. So no race over there. I don't know who both of the candidates are. I know Rachel Maidment is one of them. I'm not sure who the other person is. Um, so we are not intentionally, we're not just uh, like being Peterborough here and, you know, saying that the only race is between the Democrats. Um, it ain't like that, guys. We actually are. Um, we're, we we on this program don't take partisan sides. Um, so, and I mean, it, you know, Sam, you know, to paraphrase Michael Jordan, like Republicans buy houses too, right? You know, so we don't, we don't friggin', um, we don't, we don't have a, um, a party, a party line on this, but it, but we, you know, I, I kind of put some feelers out on the Republican side. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in having a debate when there isn't a contest. We do plan and you heard it here. This is 100% the intent, uh, after the primary and before the general election though, whoever the candidates are on the democratic side, we do want to have them back for a debate inclusive of the Republicans. So, That'll be a great show. And maybe we don't, we don't know. This is a bit more of a stretch, but maybe if we can pull it off, we'll try to get a general election, uh, debate for the Senate, which I, I think we're district nine. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we live Sounds in district nine. Um, like a number that I bring a bell. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong, but I think we're in Senate district nine, uh, in Peterborough. And let me, uh, ask the producer here. Yeah. Check that out. Um, yeah. District yeah. Nine. District nine, well, which is a bit, so the Senate, so it's funny, we have this gigantic house of like, you know, 400 people or whatever and the Senate's like, there's like 35 senators or something like that. So Senate districts are much bigger. Um, however, I think it would be good. Whoever the candidates end up being for that race, um, to, to, you know, and, and no doubt they do some campaigning in Peterborough, but it would be great to kind of formally bring them before the people of Peterborough. Um, I think mm-hmm. in that district, which certainly extends all the way to like Bedford, you know, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a big, it's, weird gerrymandery district. Um, that you want to hear it, hear what it includes. Let's hear the towns. Bedford, Dublin, Fitzwilliam, Greenfield, Hancock, Jaffrey, Linebrough, Mount Vernon, New Boston, Peterborough, Richmond, Sharon, Temple, and Troy. It's a really weird, that's a weird district. That is a weird, that's weird. It's a a weird friggin' district. That's got Um, some like, some of these. Yeah. Uh, But in that district, Peterborough is a formidable nexus um, that I think deserves its own special event. And uh, so we, 
intend to try to, uh, that's our stretch goal is to, is to try to get this, a Senate debate as well. But I think that the, um, the state house debate in the general election is a lock. I think that will definitely go on. Um, so kind of exciting. That's an exciting little thing. I, I definitely, I, th- I think that with um, a challenger coming on with two very well-established and dare I say, very popular incumbents. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation and I think it'll be an interesting race and um, yeah, it's so please stay tuned. Please come out to that. You, you don't want to miss it. And again, we'll put it online um, in the, in the event that you can't make it. And then lastly, I will, what's that? Would you like to, you you did edit this book. Um, yes, yes. Assuming, assuming that our, our parlay is on the first, the very next night, the very next, very night. next night, we will be having, um, finally the official release party for the up-level self-healing workbook. Um, part of the, part of the delay is that we sold out of our first two orders almost like we had no very books quickly. to sell very quickly at a, at a release party. We've finally gotten a third nice big box of them and we have copies to offer at this release party. I mean, I'm assuming and anything could happen in the next two weeks. Anything could happen in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, the idea is for um, Sarah to sign uh, sign books for you. Um, yeah. You at First Friday at Shakti Healing Arts in Depot Square. Um, we've we've got uh, rumors of wine. We've got rumors of meditation exercises. We've got rumors yep. of just a cozy, fun vibe. I Maybe think, some cheese. I think all these rumors will end up being true. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think it's going to be a nice time. And if, you know, Hey, I encourage people to go, even if you're just curious about shock, the arts, because, um, I've said this before, I think, and I, I say it to Sarah every time I go there, but that, that is a place with a, with an aura, like with a palpable mm-hmm. atmosphere. Um, when you step in there, uh, you can like viscerally feel that this is a place that, that has, um, you know, very specific purpose behind it. You know, it's a, it's a place where, um, spirit is tended to and where, um, healing occurs. And, uh, like I said, you can feel that just from walking in, Never mind if you actually do anything there, um, which Mm -hmm. hopefully you do. Um, so we're very excited to have that in-person event and, uh, part of first Friday, uh, that's going to be a good time. We'll have to do like a live video or something in case anybody isn't there, you know, just yeah, so they can see idea. what they're missing, you know? Yeah. You, did you mention it earlier that Sarah did the pranayama exercise at first or at a night market? I might not have, but we do have video of that. Yeah. So uh, which I encourage people to check out. That she, she opened up the space lounge at the night market with like a really cool breathing exercise that yep. I really, I really enjoyed. Yeah. So no, you I, can check that out on the video. There might be some more like that at the release party. I don't know what her plan is for that. It really got things started on, on the right note. I think we all were very settled and present and embodied and relaxed. We were ready for a lounge on a Friday yeah. night. Yeah. On a definitely. Library I mean, it's porch. just like cleared out any kind of like pre-show jitters for me. Oh, totally. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It was real nice. Um, so yeah, so a lot of big stuff coming up. Uh, the, you know, the, it's, 
I, like, uh, you know, Zoe, you and I were kind of talking about this earlier, but it's like, you know, I, I am, I am struggling a little bit with the adjusting to the idea that summer's on its way out. I mean, yes, somebody out there is immediately going to be like, you know, Chris, the equinox when fall begins, isn't until September 22nd, which yes, I realize, but we're already at the point where it's dark outside, it's cool out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, it's coming to a close, but as the days go on and as I see the way unfolding before us, it is increasingly difficult for me to be disappointed when there are so many cool things that are happening at the tail end of summer in the early fall. Um, so that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's just the, the cold came on pretty suddenly. Suddenly. We went from like, we went from heat wave to like fifty yeah. degrees at night, like yeah. re, like just like one day to the next, like a switch flip. I think I think I that's wasn't what really got me. I wasn't prepared. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that heat wave is often like maybe a little bit earlier, you know, yeah. um, when that comes around, and so early yeah. early July. I feel like July fourth yeah. seems is like a, often one of the hottest days. It's like one of those ninety degree stretches there. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. the light the light has been changing, but when it when it was cold at night, whew, that hit me hard. That's right. Um, exactly. So on to some vibrant discussion in the Peterborough Facebook group. Um, the first one concerns. Well, it's become two posts because somebody, in a way that. I can only charitably describe as unvirtuous made a second post on the same topic um, just to dig it in. But um, the first post had the comments shut down. I was, I, I had some comments deleted. Um, they were defensive comments. I should say um, I, I wasn't willing to tolerate being called names. Um, and some people didn't like my response, but you know, I don't know. Um, that's always my response to that sort of thing. And, um, the post was written by an, a nice guy, a nice, a, a nice local dude, Michael Ambrosini, who simply posted in what I thought was a, a mostly polite way, a pretty polite way. It wasn't negative or derogatory or attacking or snide or sarcastic. It was being sincere and straightforward and he simply said that he thought that perhaps the Post and Bean Brewery on Grove Street, our main commercial stretch, should mow its lawnmower. And he and, himself is a landscaper, is that right? Yes, I believe so. Someone at least accused him of that, but I, I don't I don't know firsthand. I don't know. Oh, oh, I thought no. I thought he was saying he was citing his like professional. Expertise. Oh, no, I think he was just not. saying he was citing it from an aesthetic point of view. Oh, okay. And okay. This was like a professional offense. Yeah, yeah. And so th this guy was really jumped on, you know, in a way that, you know, older folks in this town don't usually get attacked in the Facebook group unless they've truly said something offensive. And that's really what I want to talk about here is not so much the grass at Post and Beam specifically, because I don't care very much about that. Um, Zoe said she went by it today and it actually looks mostly mowed. Um, I haven't been by there in a few days. Um, 
It's not something that was top of mind for me. It's not a problem that I saw that was immediate in need of being remedied. Um, in I principle, didn't drive by just to check on it, just for the record. <laughs> oh yeah, she had business of some other kind. I wasn't accusing was her. Going to the post office. It wasn't in response to this post. Um, it was not. Just but, I just wanted everyone to know that. <laughs> yeah, but I think that in in general, in principle, I think that the idea of keeping all of the properties on Grove Street in a not doesn't have to be uniform, but in within relatively the same parameters of grooming standards, I think is very reasonable, especially for a town that counts on visitors, outside visitors. I'm not saying post and beam looked awful or, or anything like that, but you know, if, if it was, it doesn't sound like it is now, but if it was very unkempt and very unmowed, it is next to two of our beautiful parks. It is itself a historic downtown brick building and it would look better with manicured lawn. It doesn't have to be perfect. Now, before anybody jumps down my throat, I'm not. It doesn't have to be like golf course turf. You know, it can be clover. It should just be green, and it should be relatively short. Is all I'm saying. It should be possible to walk on it and sit on it. And even if they don't want people doing that, it should look like it is possible to do that um, because that matches the look and feel of the downtown. And much as sometimes people want to either be in denial about this or to just straight up deny this, whatever, Peterborough is an upper middle class town. This wanting something like this is not unusual. It is standard, in fact, in a town like this. Um, but regardless of the, of the merits of the request itself, um, you know, the, the criticisms that came at poor Mike um, came from two main directions. One was the bees. I'll get to the bees in a minute. One is one is from the people who want to believe that they are saving the world um, by saving bees in the middle of basically like the world's fastest growing forest. But I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> the uh, the other though was some varying degree of offense um, with regard to calling out a local business on Facebook. And I'll address, I want to address that one first. Cause I, I think that the way that we think about these things and, and we did, I'm not, I mean, we straight up parodied this on Friday night, this past Friday night, there's video of it. You can see this is not a new thought for me or for us. Um, but it, a small business isn't something sacrosanct. It, it isn't something that you need to like defend to quote a line from our play with your life. Um, it, it, it isn't something that is beyond criticism and it isn't virtuous by the mere fact that it exists, that, that, that isn't how it works. They, they are. And there's a lot of people out there that I see talking from a small business perspective, but like, I'm much more interested in the consumer's perspective and there's a lot more consumers than there are business owners, you know? Um, and the business owners, if they please the consumers, will be able to continue doing the business. We don't need to bow down to the business owners in hopes that they bless us consumers with their wares. You know, that's not how commerce works guys, you know? And, you know, we, we, <sighs> you know, I mean, I know 
Christ and Peterborough, this might be a controversial thing to say. And, I, and I'm not even usually the kind of guy who says this sort of thing, but nominally in this society, we support free enterprise. And, you know, part of that means that if, if, an, if a business isn't, you know, satisfactory, that, you know, it, it should give way to a different business. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how it works, whether they're small or not small. That's how business. Some people don't understand the tree, obviously. Um, sorry, just a little inside joke, but, um, the, uh, now to be clear, I like Post and Beam. It's the best beer in town. Okay. I don't go there a lot because I don't drink a lot of beer, but it's a great place. The owner's very nice. They they make good beer. It's a, it's an, it's a well-run establishment. It does very well. I'm very happy for them. I wish them well. I have no beef whatsoever with Post and Beam. I think it's a, it's a great establishment. I like it. It's awesome. I think they're great. I don't really give a fuck if they mow their lawn or not that much, you know? Um, but my point is to say that it's not out of bounds for someone in the Peterborough Facebook group to suggest that perhaps they should mow their lawn. That's not out of bounds. That's a perfectly legitimate thing to raise. We talk about the IDG building like every two weeks, which is frankly on a state highway. You know, it's on 101. You know, who gives a shit? This is our main walking commercial area on Grove Street. It is valid to have and to express an opinion on how it looks, regardless of whether you own the business or anything else. That's a valid thing. And I, and I want to also specifically address the idea that like somehow it's wrong to bring this to the group instead of going to the small business owner privately. Now, I think that there are certain cases where it's probably better to go to the small business owner privately. Now, like something like a couple examples I would think of, like if you had a really bad experience um, with a, with a clerk, you know, behind the counter, you know, um, they, they were really bad to you in some way. Okay. Or let's say you, you had a really terrible meal at a restaurant. Now, to me, this is just me. I think the best response to both of those things is just to go about your day. Mm-hmm. You don't, no further action is required. You don't actually have to um, call somebody or get something done, you know, to, to do, you know, bitch to your friends, you know, something like that. You know, I do, I do tend to agree. Like if I had a bad, I went out to Bantam the other night and I had a really, really wonderful meal, right? It was very nice, very great place, right? Good food. If I had had a bad meal, I wouldn't be saying that on this podcast. I wouldn't say it in the Peterborough group because I understand that in making and serving food, there are variances, there are things go wrong, you know, something might have happened. And I don't want, you know, hundreds of people to see this and decide the next time they're going out to dinner not to go to this restaurant because I badmouth them because of one unrepresentative thing, right? And same thing with somebody behind a counter or something like that, you know? Yeah, in those cases, if you must, if you must be heard, if you want to feel seen and heard and shit, you know, yeah, call a manager, call an owner or something like that. Don't drag that out to the Facebook group. But like general opinions about, you know, how things look, which again, this is from a consumer perspective and not just a consumer perspective in this case, but a citizen's perspective, because we are talking about the main drag downtown. And yes, Perhaps we don't all own Post and Beam. It is a private enterprise, not a public entity. But we all, in theory, have a stake in generally how the downtown looks if we like downtown commerce. That's just 
how it goes. I think it's perfectly reasonable to bring that to the public, especially for reasons of seeing whether or not you are the only one who feels that way. You know, if you're, you know, let's say that post had gone a different way and like 50 people were like, yeah, it's an eyesore. It's terrible. You got to take care of it, whatever. You know, that would be much more impactful than one random dude calling up post and even being like, mow your lawn. You know, like that would be a really strange phone call. Honestly, (laughs) I don't know how that would be received, you know? So something like that, I think is completely fair game. He, again, he wasn't rude. He didn't bash the business. He didn't say anything out of line. You know, he just suggested perhaps that they should mow their lawn. The other thing that now I have to talk about again is the goddamn bees. Guys, the bees are not keeping us alive. Okay. And it's, this is something that is true of the bee issue. And it's true of several other issues, which for my own safety, I'm not even going to get into on the air here, but there's a lot of issues out right now that like have, have come to pass really very recently over the past, like five years or so, 10 at most that were not assumptions before. And now among a certain set of people, these are things that you must believe as if we all got together and talked about it and agreed that we now have this knowledge and not just knowledge, but have taken a position because there's always something ideological associated with these things and not just factual. Um, so case in point is, is this subject the, the assumption now is that we are all doing everything that we can to help the bees, which are imminently dropping dead and are imminently going to make us all die because of their absence. Except, 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 no, no, you finished. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Let me, let me just finish the, the, the train to just to say that, um, again, I think it's perfectly valid if your position and your opinion is we should have more wildflowers and that you hate lawns and that you want there to be more, you know, pollinating plants just floating about and that you like that and that, and that you believe that it's a net good to increase the bee population specifically in the Monadnock region. And that's fine. That is a perfectly acceptable position. I don't share it, but it's an acceptable position to have. What is not acceptable is somehow again, demanding that everyone agree with you on this, acting like people who don't share this assumption again, which we didn't get together and vote on and say and ag- that we all agree on this and that we're all on board on this thing, you know? Um, that if we don't agree with it, we are somehow immoral, bad people who hate animals and all life on earth. Furthermore, and this will be the last part of this, um, I, like the, the other part of it is in order to make that case, you need to be able to make that case without lying about the fact that if we don't do what you say, we're all going to die because we are not going to die. None of the human food supply depends upon bees or any other pollinator. Have you ever looked at a farm? Which part of the farming process, which we've been engaged in for 12,000 fucking years at minimum, which part of that process involves the farmer sitting there praying for the bees to come by? Otherwise, the food isn't going to grow. None of the food that we eat and none of the food that the animals we eat eat depends on artificial pollination. Zero. Like you're talking about fucking raspberries, guys. You know, which again, I love raspberries, but we are not going to go extinct. All life on earth is not going to die if some of these berries are less common. 
that's simply a lie. And everyone just assumes it based on, I don't know what, but anybody who knows anything about the human food supply and the, and the food chain knows we are not dependent upon the bees. And I just throw one more thing in there, which is to say that we, like I alluded to earlier, we live in a giant forest, like one of the biggest forests in the world. It's woods. We live in the woods. This isn't the place that's killing the bees. This isn't the place where there's too many lawns. There's lots of places and lots of food for the bees everywhere without a little spot on Grove Street. No, none of you are saving the world. Fuck off. All right, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm glad I let you get that out without interrupting you. But I just wanted to add, I, I know I've talked, I've written on Monadnock Underground and I've talked on this program before about my my thoughts and feelings about invasive species. And, and one of the ones that's about to bloom is Japanese knotweed, which is like one of the most hated invasive species for the invasive species haters. And it is like a really important late, nectar source for bees in this region oh, because geez. it blooms so copiously at a time of year when not a lot else is blooming. So like throw that into the mix. And, that bees and invasive species destruction what? is at odds. Their heads are going to explode. I, that That's my thought. <laughs> I'm seriously worried about them now. <laughs> I think about that every year when the Japanese knotweed blooms. <laughs> <laughs> like and, and like by the way you pricks you know like who who want to just make me out to be this evil man who wants all the bees to die which i don't you know but like my lawn is like maybe 60 percent grass okay it's filled with all those green things that you tell me to plant okay i didn't plant it but it's how it is and i'm fine with it i'm not ripping it up and putting grass seed down i like it it's cool this way i have a lot of flowering plants too i've got this rosa sharon that's got more bees flying into it than like Putnam Park and Post and Beam combined. Okay. So I'm doing more for the bees than you are. So shut up. God, I hate this subject. I wish we didn't have to keep coming back to it, but it's terrible. But clean up the discourse in general, right? Like stop, like people are allowed, like, even if you don't like them, even if the opinions seem like borderline Republican, like people are allowed to think them and they're allowed to say them. And like, even in Peterborough, like it's, it's allowed to have a contrary opinion to like what you think the assumption ought to be. Um, and so. Oh, we like, know there are at least two Republicans in Peterborough because they're running for the state rep. So exactly right. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, it's true. They, they do exist. They do exist. Um, and, <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, the, uh, there was another post yesterday, uh, later in the day, um, in which I did not fortunately find myself again on the wrong side of the mob. Um, but it, from the sounds of it, um, there is on, uh, Monday, this, this will happen before this episode comes out on Monday, the 22nd coming before the planning board in Peterborough is a site plan four at 241 Union Street, a, I think it's 34 unit apartment building. Um, now this is really, I mean, I saw this and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> this is, this is to be interesting to see how this happens because you know, the person posting it was, they were in a butter and they were obviously very mad about it. 
but you know, housing is a pretty touchy subject and it's pretty rare that a housing development of this size comes uh, before Peterborough. And you know, guys, I've been saying, I've said on this program that like, you know, I expect to see things like this development happening in Jaffrey. I've seen them in Ringe, you know, and that's why I call especially places like Ringe, you know, the future, because I think they're going to be open to these types of development in a way that we perhaps are not. But based on our proclamations and our frequent laments, our weeping, our, our ripping of hair and gnashing of teeth on the housing issue, um, we should, by, I imagine there's some people out there who think that we should be paying this developer to do this, you know, um, if, if you were to go by those prior discussions. It's, it's 20% workforce housing too. Yes, which we should be clear about this, though, because people do get confused often, and, and I might not get the exact definition right, but it's important to understand that workforce housing does not have to be affordable. Um, and I know that sounds contrary, but workforce is determined by the median salary in the place where you live. So in okay. an expensive town like Peterborough, workforce housing is not Harlow's worker housing. You know, it's not really even sure. New Hampshire ball bearing worker housing. It's you know, single work from home tech worker housing potentially. But it's you know? still 20 percent that are going to be rented for less than the other eighty percent. Oh yeah, I'm not saying this as a bad thing. I just want people to understand the, yeah. the fact here because some people do hear workforce and they assume that like twenty percent of these are going to be two bedroom apartments for a thousand bucks a month, and no one's going to rent. No one's doing. No one's going to do that. Um, that's not. That's not on the table. Um. But I, I, th I, so I, to be clear, I think this is good. I think we should do this. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of people started chiming in, um, to that effect. You know, um, the, the original poster was claiming that this would turn a quiet street into a heavily trafficked, busy area. Um, and I think it was, you know, our friend Roy over at Max T who kind of commented, uh, you know, I mean, Union Street is kind of a, it's, it, it's one of our busier streets already and it's dense and there's businesses. It's not purely residential. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, this, maybe this isn't a terrible place for something like this because somebody's always going to be mad, right? No matter where you put an apartment building. Yeah. And there's already a lot of like condos and duplexes yeah. and multifamily stuff on that street anyway, right? There's like auto mechanics. There's a playground. You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of stuff that isn't, single family homes in like quiet yeah. cul-de-sacs or whatever um, for everything that everyone's been talking about. Right. Everyone has been saying, you know, we want to, we want density, right? We want, we want something that's on town water and sewer. We want something that's already in a busy part of town. Um, so it pisses off fewer people. Right. Um, like this and, and I've been saying no one's going to do this. You know, no one's going to, I, and I've, I've been, I, yeah. I have to say, I, I stand corrected. Um, that some, I think, and I think it's great that somebody is, I never, I didn't want it to be the case that no one was going to do it. I am pleasantly surprised that someone is willing to do this. And I think it's good for the future of the town. I really do. We need more places for people to live. It's been, like, I don't even want to get into like the, the calculus of like, no one will be around to work at our restaurants and all this stuff, because we can debate that. I don't, I don't think that's a settled fact, you know, but when I see, and I, I think it's eased up a little bit, but when, when I see what we've seen over the last two years, which is that 
if you are a person who wants to move to this town from somewhere else, you might not have any options. You know, there's been times when there's almost no houses for sale. There's, I mean, not so much lately. That's changed a bit. Um, but there's been times when there's basically no rentals for anybody of any kind, you know, that you can actually get your hands on, you know, and if, if one opens up, it goes through a realtor and it goes to someone that that realtor knows through a personal connection and it gets scooped up in a few hours. It's fast, you know? Um, I don't think that that's a healthy, long-term tenable situation for any town that just as a bare fact, a propos of nothing else, right? Just the fact that if someone wants to move here, they might, they might not be able to. You know, we should try to correct that. That, that shouldn't be the case. It's not to say that we want to double our population, but we can't close off the town to new arrivals altogether. And yeah. the only way to change that, given the demographics of our day and the housing stock of the state of New Hampshire, is to build. And you have to build something big. You can't just do in-law apartments. You can't just do little four-unit condos. You have to do something big. And that's what I commented on the thread. I said, look, guys, build, baby, build. Let's do this. Let's, we talk about housing all the time. Let's let them build the housing. And only something big can make a dent in the situation, like I just said. Um, someone's always going to be mad. Let's look at the bigger picture, though. You know, this could be good for all of us. And, and, you know, again, none of us wants the neighborhood that we bought a house in to change in any way, right? None of us wants that. But none of us are promised that. Um, that's not a reasonable expectation, especially when you live on in the dense part of town. That's not reasonable at all. You should think that, you know, given the way the property keeps going up, that it's quite likely that somebody might build something new near you. Um, so again, it's in the right place. And, and my feeling on it is simply that we, housing is such a concern for us. We must try this and it maybe it, maybe it's, maybe it will ruin, maybe it will kill the town. Maybe the town will die. Um, if, if, if we have both the IDG building rotting on 101 and a new apartment complex on Union Street, that might just be the end of Peterborough. I doubt it. You know, I doubt it. Maybe it will be a major calamity. It, you know, th there's, there's people on this thread who are claiming that this is going to ruin the property values on homes on like five different streets. Like their homes are just worthless now. And I don't know, Sam, you know, maybe you know a little bit something about how home values don't just drop to zero in any case. Um, you know, maybe they have a valid concern in some way, but probably not all of those different spider webbing neighborhoods um, are, are all ruined by the construction of this um, development. And, and I'll say from personal experience, I live, I've talked about this before. We've made many jokes about it. Um, no offense, not to be ageist, but the um, Summerhill, the nursing the assisted living facility is right next door to me, right? They have at least 60 parking spots over there, probably more. They have, they have staff that come and go all hours of the day and night. They have a million residents. They have visitors. They have guests. Do you know how often they're literally next door? They're the next lot over. Do you know how often I think about them or get bothered by them or stuck in traffic because of them and all their cars? Zero times. Never, never. <laughs> They don't, you know, yeah, sometimes I can go out on my porch late at night and there's like some workers leaving their job that are having a conversation. Like if you're the kind of person who's going to be offended by hearing voices at your house 
that don't belong to your family. I think that's neurotic personally. Um, but then, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be for you, but you know, for a reasonable person, um, the existence of other people, like through a bunch of trees or whatever, it's, it's not going to ruin your life. It's not going to ruin your quality of life. I promise you it's not. Um, but if it does, if it ruins everyone's quality of life, I think we need to go through this experience to learn that. And if we go through this and we see that building new housing destroys us, then I will agree. I will change my position and I will say, let's not build anymore. Let's not do it again. But I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the future residents of this town. Perhaps if one wanted to be dramatic, we might say we owe it to our children uh, to try this and, and see what happens. And if we're not willing to do that, I don't want to talk about housing anymore. We should consider it a settled matter and that the position of the residents of this town is that we don't want any. We don't want it. We don't want any. And that, again, just like the other things I've talked about, it's okay for people to have that position. It is, even if I, it's not my position, but, and I don't like it, but it's perfectly okay for someone to believe that Peterborough should not grow anymore, that it should remain and perhaps become even more so purely single family homes, you know, that it should get a little bit sleepier, that it should get quieter. That's an opinion. You can have it, but say it, say it. Say that that's your opinion. You don't want to build anything. You don't want to change zoning to make let people have in-law part. You don't want to do anything. Just have that as your political position because it is. Own it. Live it. You know? But if not, I think we have an obligation to give this a try. Show up on show up. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be there, but I have a big day on Monday, but show up on Monday if you really care about this. At the planning board, probably going to be pretty packed. Show up early. Look online if I know what time it is. I don't know off the top of my head. It's going to be in the past by the time you listen to this, so I'm not sure why I'm giving you this advice. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we're not going to put it in the show notes because it will already have happened. Um, <laughs> 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 but in our next episode... We will more more than likely uh, discuss what happened. Yeah, I don't know what else there is to add to your to your great speeches tonight. <laughs> I am filled with speeches um, today. <laughs> Apparently, feeling very passionate um, about these issues. It's good to see good discussion in the Peterborough group again. Um, yeah, but. Um, look, we are at like an hour and seven and we were going to talk about police logs and misconnections, um, because we have missed those for a while, but let's save those. Let's put those in our back pockets. Yeah. We'll come back next week. We'll do that again. Um, I think we, yeah, we, I mean, this is an exciting episode. This is, there's a lot going on all of a sudden, which yeah. is cool. I, I like a lot going on. I'm not a sleepy town sort of fellow. Um, not that I want it to be a city, you know? I'll just say that just one more little speech I'll throw in here. And this, I think, applies to both of these subjects. Right. Um, because a lot of times in discussions about like the nature of Peterborough and what it should be, um, if if you make a statement 
that you want X in town, like some kind of business that isn't a small business or some kind of form of entertainment that we don't have now. It doesn't matter what it is, um, anything, right? A lot, a very common response to you is, we're not a city. We're not going to be a city. You should go to the city if you want those things. And now sometimes, you know, like if someone wants, a, you know, emergency dry cleaners that's like 24-7, <laughs> Um, or something like that. Yeah, right. You should live in a city. You know what I mean? Like if you, if, frankly, if you want a lot of 24 hour, anything, you know, you should, you should live in a city. If you want Ubers and taxi cabs, you know, they're probably not going to be able to make money on Peterborough. You probably want to live in a city, right? But like most businesses and forms of entertainment, like can and do exist in small towns. And there is something in between where we are now and like New York city believe it or not. Like there's lots, there's a wide, there's a whole world in between those things. Just like there are in between areas between, you know, kill all lawns and don't manicure anything and, you know, suburbanize turf everything. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you can believe something in the middle of, I want to give people permission to do that. Because it seems like a lot of people don't want that to be an option, don't think it's an option, but it, but truly it is. Like, it, most of, almost none of these things are binary, you know? The, 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 you don't have to pick one thing or another. Um, think what you want to think, you know? It's, it's really okay. And, you know, maybe I hate it. Maybe I even make fun of you for it at some point in time. So what? So what? If you have an opinion, you should be you should like be willing to stand there and you know say it and take that for it. That's and that and that and I will even if I make fun of you, I will defend your right um, to take a position as if as long as you're really taking one. Um, I will always have your back on that. And so, with that, another episode is in the books. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but of course. For your sound needs, don't try to do it yourself. You know, our, our wonderful sound lord and producer, Chad Patterson, has an operation at studio117.net. They can help you with your, you know, recording, mixing, balancing, um, equipment setup, whatever needs that you have. As long as it's not at a date and time in which Chad's band, the premier dad rock band of New England, dad rock summer 2022, down by 10. Um, which has had gigs basically every weekend all over the place. Um, in the fall, they will be back in Milford. I'll get you a date on that as it gets closer because it would be nice if uh, if some of us went over to Milford and and um, that it, a little moms in Milford, moms in Milford, dad um, rocket moms, dad rocket moms, giving Chad a little support. Um, so nice. special thanks to Chad. Thanks to all of you for listening. Big thanks to everyone who helped put on the night market and everyone who came out and saw us at the night market. That was a blast. That was a truly special night. Um, I'm going to remember it forever. 